Today we are turning our attention to episode six in the series on Jesus's life, The Chosen, which this week's episode is perfectly entitled, Indescribable Compassion. We begin to witness a series of miracles performed by Jesus that will expand his reputation and his wider ministry. Perhaps like me, you wake up to the daily news cycle, whether that comes from your television or whether it comes from your own home, and think we are running awfully short on miracles these days. Maybe you've even thought to yourself, is Jesus still willing to perform miracles? Or why don't we have miracles like the ones in the Bible anymore? Like one of the miracles we read about in Mark 1, verses 40 through 45. This is a slightly different translation than our Pew Bibles. Let us listen now for the word of God. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, and falling on his knees before him, and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be you cleansed. And immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And Jesus sternly warned him and sent him away at once, and saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim freely, and to spread the word of this matter around, so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in solitary places, and people came to him from every quarter." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We just returned from a week-long family reunion for John's side of the family. And one of my favorite things, as I'm sure it is for you, about family reunions is the shared stories, some of which reach almost legendary status upon their retelling over the years. One of my particular favorites involves my husband John and his twin sister Susie. Their family had taken a camper for a week of camping on the Disney World campgrounds, and on one afternoon, four of the six family members rented canoes to paddle down a nearby river. Pop-Pop, as my father-in-law is belovedly known, was in a canoe with John's younger brother, Brian, and John was in a shared canoe with the twin sister, Susie. The twins' efforts turned sour almost from the get-go, as they began bickering about whose way was better and who was doing it wrong. As every parent can understand, the Pop-Pop got so frustrated by their arguing and squabbling, he paddled far out ahead of them. Unfortunately, shortly thereafter, there came a fork in the river, so to speak. Pop-Pop's canoe went one way with Brian, and the twins, all of 10 years old, went another way, separated from their father and little brother. They may have had each other, but those twins felt very terrified and very alone in that Disney World wilderness. As terrified as the twins were at this time, a concurrent internal dread had to be welling up inside my father-in-law. Not only was he probably worried about the safety of his beloved twins, but he was about to return to the campsite short two family members. When his wife and very young baby would come out to greet them, she would ask, so where are the twins? And he would be forced to respond, I don't know. This was not how this adventure was supposed to go. This was not part of the grand divine plan. In the Gospel of Mark's narrative, we meet this man identified only as having leprosy. We know nothing of his life, but we can fairly assume that at a certain point, he was a beloved member of a family or his community before he was afflicted with this leprosy. 
It cannot be overstated how terrifying it would have been to be infected with leprosy at this time and in this era. A contagious and therefore incredibly isolating disease misunderstood, which invited its fair share of public humiliation according to Levitical law. A person with leprosy had to be completely isolated from their community and their family. They could wear only torn clothes and had to cry out, unclean, unclean, if anyone should come near them. In the ancient Jewish culture, so much emphasis was placed on that which was clean versus that which was unclean, lepers were feared and despised. Coming into contact with an individual afflicted with leprosy was for all intents and purposes the same as coming into contact with a dead body. The loved ones of this man must have been despondent. When asked about his missing presence and wondering when he would return, they would be forced to respond, I don't know. This was not how this man's adventure was supposed to go. This was not part of a grand divine plan. For the lost twins on the riverbanks of Disney World's wilderness that day, once they realized they had lost their way and were separated from their father, their first reaction was to, of course, blame the other for the predicament. In all the panic and the fighting, one of them had lost a paddle. Don't even ask whose fault that was. Those two twin 10-year-olds were lost and alone, separated from all they loved and from those that would protect them. But it begins to dawn on them. They're going to need to be willing to set aside their self-defense and their need to prove their own rightness. They were, what was necessary at that time would be a willingness to cooperate with a shared mind and spirit. And with a little grit and a lot of sweat equity, a little ingenuity and maybe a whole lot of prayer, what was lost could be restored. When the man from lepers, the man with leprosy, excuse me, comes toward Jesus, it would not be a stretch of the imagination to say he was hanging on by a very thin thread. This man was experiencing a notably awful form of isolation, suffering illness, suffering loneliness, suffering hopelessness, up a different kind of river with absolutely no paddle. But this man has obviously heard something of Jesus, whose reputations for healing had begun to grow. We are not told how in scripture, so we must envision how intensely and desperately he was to search and find this Jesus of Nazareth. When the man finally catches up to Jesus, he collapses to his knees and implores, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Let's hear that three different ways. We don't know how he speaks this in scripture. If you are willing, if you are willing, if you are willing, all that is lost to me can be restored. And how does Jesus respond? Our English translations read, moved with pity or moved with compassion, but this language does not do justice to the depth of feeling originally written about here. The phrase more closely translated to the original source would say something more like, Jesus, to the core of his gut, found his stomach literally churned in agony over this man's pain and predicament. In Hebrew culture, the intestines were the seat of emotion, the center of all emotion. So if you've ever experienced a feeling so deep, so intense, so internal as a punch to your gut, that is the depth of emotion that is written about here. Jesus is not passive about this encounter. Far from it. He does not respond calmly as if he is some detached or distant holier-than-thou observer. Jesus responds as if he has personally taken on the pain, the disease, and the isolation for himself. He is equal parts angry and frustrated. 
The plan for this man's life is not going as God intended or intends. In that moment, Jesus reach out, reaches out to touch this isolated, ostracized, untouchable, unclean man who is just one rung above the non-existent. Jesus' deep passion led to an indescribable compassion, which led to outward action. Jesus touches the leper and fervently declares, I am willing, be you cleansed. Let's hear that three different ways. I am willing, I am willing, I am willing to restore all that is lost for you, my brother, my sister, my friend. And the man's leprosy was immediately clean through the holy and human compassion of Jesus, through Jesus' willingness to enter into this man's desperation, isolation, and sickness, to risk touching that which was perceived to be unclean and untouchable, Jesus let himself feel deeply and took the man's leprosy upon himself and offered to exchange it for a piece of his own healing holiness. So what comes next is something the gospel writer wants you to know as much as he wants you to know Jesus's power to feel, to touch, and to heal. Jesus gives the man two commands. Don't tell anyone, spoiler alert, in exactly one verse, this healed friend is promptly going to disobey this command. In all fairness, this was going to be a very hard secret to keep. And two, go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. Here, Jesus is addressing the rules of the temple system for the rare few who recovered from leprosy. This man had to be declared clean by the temple priest before he could be fully restored to his community and family. But Jesus is saying here, go show the gatekeepers, the rule makers, the rule enforcers. I respect their law, but know that I am willing to go further than the law. I'm willing to move toward what others flee from. I'm not willing for the people I love to be made clean first. I'm willing to meet them where they are, as they are. I'm willing to touch the untouchable and love the unlovable. Jesus was not content just to heal the obvious disease. Jesus cares that this man can be fully restored in body, mind, and spirit to life, to society, so that he is able to live and flourish. Back to our twins. As they realized that in order to be restored to their family, they would need to work together, they combined their efforts and set aside their own ways. John and Susie quite cleverly hid their canoe, hiked their way to a clearing where they noticed a bus stop and hoped and prayed that would, that bus would return them to their campgrounds. I like to think of a bus driver feeling a deep compassion for these lost children and who went out of their way to make sure those kids got to the right place. And it's not hard to picture their parents waiting back at the campsite in gut-wrenching agony for their lost children to be restored to them. And if earthly parents feel this intensely for their beloved children, imagine how much more our heavenly parent feels when their children are not whole, when life is not as it should be. And if earthly parents are overwhelmed with joy to see their kids make their way back, imagine how much more our heavenly parent experiences joy when their children are fully restored when what was lost is again found. Jesus provides the window into God's abiding love for us. The living embodiment of God on earth felt an indescribable compassion toward the man with leprosy 
And through Jesus, we can know that God feels an indescribable compassion for you and every person you come face to face with, especially when the world is not as it should be, when the adventures intended for life go down the wrong river bend. We may be tempted to ask, why was Jesus willing to make this unknown, unnamed leper clean and not insert your prayer list, her, him, them, me? But we're not asking the right question anymore because Jesus has already proved his willingness. Remember, we can enter into this text, but only so far because we, my dear friends, live on the other side of Good Friday, on the other side of Easter Sunday, on the other side of Pentecost. We are now not just disciples of Christ. In our faith, we claim that that spirit is embedded within us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 asks, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives within you? We are re-presenters of Jesus. That means we are free to choose to partner with Christ and emulate his indescribable compassion. Now the question becomes, am I, are you, are we willing to enter so deeply into the lives of others and respond with that same compassion? About 15 years after this canoe trip, that same twin would find herself suffering with horrific headaches shortly after delivering her first child. Susie's suffering would torment a nurse who had gone home after her shift, but just couldn't shake a gut-wrenching feeling that something was terribly wrong. The nurse would not be able to fall asleep that night. Instead, so bothered by Susie's debilitating headaches, she would call the nurse's station and prompt the doctor to order a test, which exposed a tumor pressing on her brain. No miracles anymore? Absolutely a miracle. A miracle brought about by one person's passion for caring for others turned to compassion, which turned to action. That surgery would save my sister-in-law's life, but also lead to facial paralysis, making a full smile impossible. But 25 years after that, a team of doctors would unleash a treatment to reconnect nerve tissues in her face and restore smiles to people like Susie. No miracles anymore? Absolutely a miracle. Because someone combined their passion and indescribable compassion, which led to outward action to restore that which was lost. There are a lot of small, medium, and enormous leprosies in our world today. You don't have to look far to see the diseases of our physical, psychological, and social bodies, but a shortage of miracles. Ashley Armistead experienced the leprosy of toxic masculinity. She twinned her passion for running with compassion for our society's boys that led to action. Now we have Let Me Run. A reading specialist noticed the glaring leprosy of illiteracy. Combining her passion for reading with her compassion for under-resourced children, we now have the Augustine Literacy Project. Senior Bishop George Battle looked outside his window one day and said this, the view outside my office at Gethsemane in 1975 showed a community in trouble. Children were in the streets with no supervision or direction. I felt called and knew I had to do something to help give them a future. He joined his passion for serving others with indescribable compassion for those children to give them a safe space to grow and flourish after school. Now we have GEP. Just because no one has written down, verse-numbered, and bound these and untold other miraculous stories into a modern-day Bible, don't ever wonder, why aren't there miracles like there are in the Bible anymore? Ask instead, 
Where can I twin and partner with God, exemplified in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, and give a piece of myself to bring about a miracle today? Frederick Beekner famously once said, the place God calls you to is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Notice the reference to hunger, that feeling way down deep in the pit of your stomach, the seat of all your emotion. Not enough miracles anymore? If you are willing to allow your indescribable compassion to meet the great needs of this world, imagine the stories we will tell in the future. So let's hear this three different ways. If you are willing, if you are willing, if you are willing, pick up your paddle and get to rowing, and what was lost can be restored. Amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we have gathered this day to give you all thanks and praise. We are thankful for a day that we can honor our fathers, a day that we can celebrate the gift that they bring into this world. We are also thankful, Lord, for the celebration of Juneteenth, the end of slavery in the southern states. You gave us Jesus Christ, who came into this world to save, to heal, to guide, and to teach us the ways of the one who sent him. Jesus taught us those ways and promised us the Holy Spirit that is always present, always comforting, and is our source of life, love, and service to others. We are so grateful, Lord God, and we demonstrate our thanks by loving you and your children everywhere. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know our very weaknesses, our lack of faith when we face challenges, how we turn our backs on those in need, and how quickly we are to condemn others for the same acts that we commit. We can acknowledge our weakness, but we find it difficult to repent and to turn towards your strength and your love and forgiveness. We pray for your wisdom so that we can grow as your plant grows, stronger in reaching to the heavens, our stem, our core growing stronger, and our leaves, our beliefs greener. It is through your wisdom that we will develop a deeper faith in your word and less likely to fall short in thought, word, and deed. As we look at our world, there is much that saddens us. War, injustices, homelessness, hungry, hunger, and depression. We do not have to look far to find those in needs, in need of our help our prayers, and our presence. And we can be that Christian witness to others. It is only through your grace that we are able to share your love and compassion with others, teaching them the very things you taught us. And Lord, remind us each and every day 
of your promises of salvation through our belief in your Son, Jesus Christ. We are so very thankful for your love, the Holy Spirit, and your Son, who taught us to pray as one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, the Lord of all creation has blessed us every one. God has shown us the needs of the world, so let us respond by giving a portion of what God has so graciously given us. Give as your heart guides you, and blessed be the joyful giver. It is now time for our morning offering.
Let us pray together. New every morning is your love, great God of light. And all day long you are working for good in the world. Stir up in us the desire to serve you, to live peacefully with your neighbors, and to devote each day to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.
God of indescribable compassion fill your soul down to your core with indescribable compassion for others and be willing to share it. Yeah. 